Ladies and gentlemen, we're ready to rock another episode with you today. This is one thing, making an impact on the world, that's a completely different ball game. So today we're going to be talking about how you can make a difference. Here we go. Yeah. Shut up and sit down. The Business Bros Podcast was created for you. Learn from the business professionals who come to share their stories. Find out what's working in business on social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of successful entrepreneurs out there doing the real work. And now, welcome to another episode of Business, business Bros. And it's that time, ladies and gentlemen, for James to drop some heat. All right, all you business pros out there, before we jump into the show, just a quick reminder, please subscribe on whichever platform it is that you're listening to us on today. Give us a like, give us a follow, subscribe, drop a review, help other like-minded business owners find value from our awesome guest while we rise up in those podcast rankings. We'll sincerely appreciate every single one of you for it, and if you want to be a guest on the show, we'd love to have you on to learn from you as well. Go to www.businessbros.biz, schedule your time slot, and don't forget to follow us on all our social medias at Business Bros Pod. All right, everybody, we're so excited and so honored to bring yet another incredible guest to the Business Bros Pod. Today's guest earned her MBA from the Wharton School and has taken companies public on the stock exchange through IPOs. She has worked with global companies and startups in the U.S. and Europe to increase brand awareness and marketing efficiency, deliver operational excellence and digital transformation, and increase sales both in existing and in new markets. So basically what I'm saying is she's a complete and utter badass in all things business. But what makes her truly unique isn't her remarkable skills and resume. Our guest recognizes that our planet and her ecosystems are suffering. And at the current rate of global emissions, we're on a path to drastically change our planet's landscape for generations to follow and not for the better. Our awesome guest walked away from a promising career, the one she'd always dreamed of, to create positive impact for our communities and for our planet. Tune in to hear how our guest is driving the conversation around corporate global social responsibility and how your business can get involved. Joining us today out of New York City, author of The Altruistic Capitalist, welcome to the show, Lynn Yap. All right, Lynn. I don't know if, how many podcasts you've been on or, or what your, your uh, experience is on these types of things, but you seem to have a smile on your face. How's it been in the first three minutes of the show? It's a lot of fun. There's so much energy in this room. I love it. Thank you for having me. All right, let's do this. Lynn, uh, you know, I, I teach high school and I got a lot of kids that just graduated, just entered the world uh, that they have no idea what to expect, right? They don't know what they want out of life. They don't know exactly where they're going for the most part. Uh, they have this idea that um, I'm going to go get a good job and make a lot of money. Um, some of them want to start a business on their own. They're all doing the one thing that over time, they'll realize it's probably not the greatest idea. They're all chasing a dollar, right? They're trying to figure out how to make the big bang for their money. And it's easy to talk to someone like you who's already done it to find out some more of that why. Can you take me back to uh, before you started to move into a different way of thinking about the world and tell me about your first shift into business? What was that like? 
So my first job was actually as a corporate lawyer, and then I moved into investment banking. Uh, I mean, thinking about it, like thinking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, for instance, first you need to satisfy all your basic needs. And so it's quite normal, I guess, when, um, to your point, when you first graduate from college, you're thinking, okay, I'm going to go for, for the money. I need to pay off my loans. I need to take care of my expenses. So that's kind of normal, I think, to want to start off with with like looking looking for the job that pays that pays you so that's um you know looking at maslow's hierarchy of needs and then once you fulfill that once you figured out okay um all my basic needs are are met like i've paid off my loans how is it that i can contribute to society how is it that i can full be a fully expressed human being um, and i think that's when people start thinking more about all right what is my impact what is the legacy that i want to leave behind on on the planet and in my community that's that's uh one of those uh maturity things i think that comes down the road you're right you're absolutely right at the beginning man i'm just trying to put some food in my in my stomach i don't care if it's top ramen i don't care if it's you know just the you know a banana or an apple here and there i just want to get some nutrition i'll take that free meal on the way that that the campus campus cafeteria is giving out like it's not really you're right it's it's those those i need a roof over my head and i need to put food on the table uh, you got into helping businesses go public. Um, what what did you notice compared that to the person who's just starting some you know local little grocery store in the corner or you know some some little Etsy store? What separates you know that that solopreneur from that company that's going public? Uh, in, in what sense, if I may? clarify that question a little bit. What do you mean by what? I think I'm going in the mindset direction. Like if I'm thinking at the beginning that I'm going to start a business and my intention is to go public, my intention is to make something bigger. The mindset has to be different than that person who's going into this thinking, I just got to pay the bills. I think, um, I think, yeah, you basically, a lot of it is down to, down to how, how big you're dreaming, right? A, a lot of it is, um, how big, how much, how much I want to impact on the world. And the only limitation is usually the limitation that we put on ourselves, like how much that I can achieve. I think if um, entrepreneurs, when they start out, they, they see what is the impact that I want to have on the world and on the planet, um, whether that is trying to reduce the amount of inequality that we see um, uh, uh, amongst us in our, in our neighborhood, that can help to create a bigger vision for the business that, you want to create rather than all right i'm just going to satisfy uh pay pay xyz bills so and that that's thinking in a fairly small scale whereas if you think right this is the problem that i want to solve i want to um reduce carbon emissions um in in in, in this area or certain for for a certain product then you're thinking a lot bigger and you're not limiting yourself Thinking big, tell me a little bit about that altruistic capitalist. What does it mean to be altruistic, and how do you how are you defining that with capitalists? So the reason why I picked those two words to put together is I think capitalism is a good model. It is um, it, it has um, healthy competition and it invites um, it, it it creates um, innovation. Um, people are when there's competition, people are more innovative and come up with cool solutions. Um, the, what has happened in recent years is that uh, it becomes quite self-centered and is um, uh, people think about capitalism as associate capitalism with um, only for profits and so less um, more self-serving. And that's why I 
put altruistic in the title as well, uh, which is thinking about the broader picture. What are the different stakeholders in the business? And that includes employees, their environment, um, the vendor, vendor suppliers that we might work with. How is how is how we're a relationship, our relationship, the re business relationship with vendor suppliers um, impacting how they are doing business, um, the communities that we operate in. So there are a lot of other stakeholders that are involved in the business um, that 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 we need to think about apart from just um, solely on profits. When I interview people, when I read audiobooks, when I listen to YouTube professionals, they all talk about bringing value, right? Uh, and what I what I've learned is those that are very very successful, the Jeff Bezos of the world, the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world. They bring tremendous value uh, and there's this sort of tipping point at, at some point they start to bring so much value that they earn massive amounts of money and then they become the enemy, right? It, you know, the, the Steve Jobs had the same kind of story, right? anti-corporation type mentality. I'm going to build something for the people that they, that we can bring to, you know, desktop to every uh, personal home, you know, that, that's, that's a great idea and concept. And before long, he becomes the villain, right? All of a sudden it's like, well, you became exactly what you didn't want to become. At what point do we take some of these capitalistic ideas and altruistic ideas and how can we mesh them so that we don't watch ourselves become a villain? We watch ourselves kind of bring that value and then give more, I guess, essentially is what we're saying, right? Yeah, I, I think uh, that's a really great question. I, I think there's a lot of shift that's happening in um uh, uh, in business right now. One of it is that us as consumers, as investors, as employees in companies, we want businesses to be a force for good. We want businesses to do better, to do more for the environment um, and, and for the people, not just, and if you think about it, um, not just not doing any harm, but there is, and then there is like two additional layers on top of that. It's like, this is not doing any harm. And then the next layer is, all right, I am going to have some philanthropic um, activities at year end. For instance, I'm going to donate some money. I've I've made I've made some profits now. I'm going to donate some money. But then the next layer, which is creating value, how is it that I can really add, um, create a positive socio-economic impact to my planet and to the to the community around me? So that's um, I, I I like to see that as like three different layers of how businesses impact the society and, and planet around them. That's a, that, you know, it's funny, James and I have this conversation all the time and the conversation has to, has to be around, you know, what am I as a successful entrepreneur, what am I supposed to do with the profits that I have? You know, in, in other words, you know, in, in Forrest Gump, there's a line that mama says that there's only so much money that you need. And after that, everything else is for showing off. Right. Uh, but who's to dictate that? Who's to tell me that, you know, buying a Lamborghini is too much or buying that beautiful home on the top of a cliff is too much? And 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 at one point, should I be giving back to some of these causes? You know, it, it's a very difficult conversation because there's nobody really telling us what we should or shouldn't do. But I believe that in our heart of hearts that most people are good people and we have our own philanthropic point of view, however it is that we want to help, whether we do it in a public manner or not. There are different things that we want to help society try to make the world a better place. Exactly. We want to make the world a better place. 
So how did you decide upon what you wanted to do and, and, and how can other entrepreneurs kind of get into that mindset of, okay, this is the area that I want to give back with? Um, again, good, good question. Uh, going back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, once we have uh, basic needs fulfilled, we want to be a bit more self-expressed. And where is it that we want to invest our time? Now, you don't just go to bed one day and then wake up the next day and say, yes, this is where I'm going to create an impact. This is where I want to play in. It's a process. I didn't um, go into uh, Activate Network to create an impact in, 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 in diversity and inclusion in schools by, by waking up one day and thinking this is where I want to play in. It was a longer drawn out process. I left investment banking. I devoted some time into different uh, voluntary organizations. Um, and what it was that I saw was more drawn into the education space. Um, how is it that education can um, lift up um, marginalized communities from their current situation and to dream bigger and to go into uh, career opportunities that can, that can help them in in their future um in their future careers so that was kind of where i i landed up in and it's not something that you can just just think about you have to go and experiment in different projects and different communities and see what is it that where you can add value and what gets you excited in the morning when you uh when you think about the projects that you're working on so let's talk about that excitement, right? That, that, that drive that guy you go in. You, you started to taste a couple things here. Networking events, you were part of organizations, you're, you're kind of dipping your feet in a, in a bunch of different places here. And then something finally sparks your interest, right? Uh, what, what drove you to get that message out, to write a book, to go out and speak about this particular thing, to narrow down your focus? So the book thing happened last year when... Um, schools were shut down and the communities that I work with, they, they don't even have the right materials and equipment at home. Uh, they don't have internet. They don't have laptops. They might not even have headsets in order to continue with education. So my programs had to be put on hold for, for a while. And this is when I thought this is a great opportunity to write a book. Um, I feel very strongly, obviously, about inequality. Uh, and I, I saw that businesses can really do something if they come together um, as a force for good to serve all the all the stakeholders in a company not just investors and not purely for profit if we if we get businesses to shift their perspective and to create business models create solutions that can solve some of our inequalities or even uh, climate crisis we can really um, have sustainable prosperity you know, in, in going after the education system, um, there's a lot that people get pushback on when it comes to teaching, right? There are a lot of, you know, I, I'm, in, I'm in the high school space. There are a ton of classes in the high school space that we take and we never use again. And then when we try to bring in ideas, whether they are towards climate change or they are towards capitalism, you get a lot of pushback from indoctrination, right? Oh, you're trying to indoctrinate our kids. Uh, have you received any pushback as you enter the education space? Or are you feeling like it's it's well, uh, well, um, I don't even know what, what word I'm looking at, well received by uh, the administration as well as the students themselves? 
the students themselves are definitely very excited. Um, I typically work with students between the ages of 13 and 15, and they are super excited and are so aware of the current crisis that we have, whether it's related to inequality or the planet. And these programs that I facilitate and design, they are experiential uh, and, 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 and project-based. Students come together, um, they uh, receive a problem statement and then they come up with solutions over a three month period. It goes through like a design thinking type process. They get very excited about it because they see that they can do something uh, and make a difference uh, and make a difference in, in, in society. One cohort, for instance, um, they were tasked with uh, mental illness and how is it that they can increase the awareness and reduce the social stigma in, in school. And what happened was they actually went to, to the school administration and, and they talked to them and they had their own mental, um, mental wellness day, uh, which they didn't have before. So the students really feel like, they well, well, I can make a difference. And that also creates a different uh, mindset. It, it shifts their mindset a little bit. It's like, I, I, I am powerful. I can do a lot more, um, even though I'm just 14 years old, for instance. I love that it's project based. Uh, I think, you know, a, a lot of what happens in a classroom is very much drill and kill. Memorize this, put it on a test, and then you don't have to think about it anymore. But the way you've designed it is very much you're giving people control over what the potential outcome is. It's not necessarily graded on it's a right answer or a wrong answer. It's an impact that you need to make. Uh, and you're, you're teaching, from what it sounds like, you're teaching them to think for themselves, to question what's going on around them and kind of come up with a solution that best fits what they see in the world. Because let's face it, like these younger kids, they are the next generation that's going to take over. They're the peers that, that we're coming up with that are we're going to be hiring them, bringing them on board, taking them under yeah. our wings. And we want to be able to train them uh, to, to think for themselves because, I, I don't know, personally, I feel like we live in a world today where there is so much information. It's not about drill and kill. It's about helping guide them through this you know, maze of information to decipher what's valuable, what's not valuable, and what can I use to make an impact in the world. When you're designing the the cohorts that you're talking about, what what's your thought process in creating the curriculum to kind of get them to be involved like that? Uh, I typically like to pair students up who are quite different from each other because I think that's that that happens naturally in society too. We have to learn how to work with people who are of different personalities, different backgrounds, uh, different mindsets, uh, different styles of working. Uh, and I, perhaps I'm, I'm a little bit evil like that. <laughs> I like to pair the extrovert with the introvert. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, <laughs> but they learn so much from each other and they learn teamwork. Uh, and it, they also learn that it's okay if they're not, if I'm an introvert, it's okay if I'm not as, as loud as the extrovert in the team. I can develop my own voice and I can participate and contribute in my own way. I recognize my strengths might be in uh, coming up with the insights for the extrovert then to, to share, to, to do the, the show and tell presentation or something like that. You know, everyone has uh, their own part to play. And I think that's another a powerful tool that gives the students confidence to go out and do their own thing a few years down the road to 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 design their own career because they recognize that I have I have something to contribute through this through this project based curriculum. 
based on your experience in working with the kids, in your experience in being in that business space, helping build businesses, um, where do you see the future of where our kids are going? Is it going to be more towards that four-year degree program? Is it going to be more towards that single certification? Is it going to be more towards uh, an apprenticeship type education? What, what are you seeing that the business world is looking for as far as qualified, educated uh, staff? I think there will be a whole range of different um, methods of, of learning, and it won't be just at 18 years old at you know your typical college age. We're going to end up um, working for a long time. And what it is, is we will have to continue learning. And it's fun. I, I, I think it's, it's fun where, okay, let's say you start um, your first degree at 18, and maybe you go back to school at 40, and you do a different degree because you're interested um, in something completely different by that time. Uh, we, we might end up having to work till 70 or 80 because we're all living much longer lives. And that's okay to, to be okay to continually learn um, and, and to pick up different things, to rebuild our networks um, and, and, to, and to contribute in, in society in a different way. You know, when you're building a company, when you're, when you're growing something that you really enjoy doing, you tend to find success a little bit differently. Uh, it's not so much in the dollars that you bring in. Yes, you have to make sure that your bottom line remains black and that you're not going into the red, right? But you start to find happiness in the work that you do. You start to find a reason why you get up beyond that paycheck after a while. Um, how much of following your passion should should we be doing as we enter, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old? How much should we be chasing that passion and finding an internship and something that I really want to do uh, versus kind of following mom and dad tell me to do and, and just go straight to college if I know, you know, during school it wasn't really my thing? I think there is benefit in having a education base, but if it's something that you're clearly not interested in then it's not then it doesn't make sense to invest all that money into a college education it might be better for you to go into internships and different companies and work on different projects maybe it's a uh, um developing your art portfolio or something like that and then at a certain point in time you can decide then to go back into college that's that's not an issue like i said we are going to have such long careers uh, that we can choose when is it that we want to go into college into that perhaps is that four year um, traditional four year degree. It does not have to be at 18 straight off to high school. So Lynn, if, if, uh, if we want to have a, a connection with you, if, if I'm an educator and I want to bring a program like yours to my school, how do we go about doing that? Just email me Lynn at altruisticcapitalist.com. What's, what's that process like? Uh, well, first, I think some of the key ingredients that we that to make a successful program is that the the school is committed to to working with um, with with the altruistic capitalists in order to launch these programs at the school. Because without the support of the school, um, if the students see that that the school and the teachers are not invested in in them, then the programs don't work as as well. 
So, um, so does this, and, and I'll give you an example. Are we looking at a school that is, you know, a, a just maybe seventh, eighth grade, or maybe ninth through 12th grade, small scale? I'll give you, you know, at our school, we are ninth through 12th grade and it's almost 3000 kids. So, you know, the, the population is different. What's the ideal approach for an education uh, platform to come in and work with you? Gotcha. I understand the question. So the cohort size that I typically work with are uh, is about 20, 20 students at a time. And we can do multiple cohorts. Um, we can do multiple cohorts for an academic year. It's just for a single project, it's easier. Um, the If you like, the energy is, is better when we we put these four groups uh, in competition with each other to problem solve. When it becomes too large, like having 33,000 students working on the same problem, it is not as effective. So each cohort size is around 20. And I wouldn't, huh. I wouldn't expand it much more than beyond 20 students at a time. Perfect. And, and when, when uh, students go through this, um, what, what kind of feedback do you get on the other side? Of, do, do you get kids coming to you and saying, like, this is definitely a career choice that I want to go into? Um, you know, what doors can it open for them? It opens the doors. The program doesn't actually say you have to go into XYZ career. It basically increases your self-confidence, increases your um, critical thinking skills, increases your communication skills. So all of these actually help prepare you for any sort of career. These are all uh, future work type skills. So that's what, those are absolutely vitally good skills to have uh you know it's funny because you think in an age where you're hand holding a powerful camera you can stream live to any social media feed you post stuff on your tiktok and snapchats all the time that a lot of these kids would have the confidence to turn the camera on and 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 present whatever it is that they're doing but it's, it's almost like it's had the opposite effect it's almost like now since everything is under the microscope we don't post things, we don't share things. And every time we do, we get called out for making a mistake. Uh, you know, that's gonna live forever. That's gonna haunt you when you go try to apply for a job. Uh, when you're getting these kids to have that confidence to do that, what are some of those techniques that you're using to get them to say, this is my opinion and this is what I believe in and, and this is why? So we have coaches, um different industries come in to also encourage uh, the, the students. Uh, and there's a lot of positive affirmations and to help them, encourage them. So I think that's um, how the students gain more confidence um, because they know that they're, they're, these are basically strangers. These are not people that are in their immediate family circle or relatives um, that, who are invested and wanting to see them succeed. I think just knowing that there's someone uh, who is invested in them and their success gives them that confidence to go and invest in them in their own selves and to work hard and, and to try and and to um, strive towards a better future. All right, as an as an author, you've you've written a book. You said you did it last year. Um, tell me a little bit about the book and how can people get a hold of you if they want a copy of the book? They want to work with you. Did we lose you? Um, sure. Um, so in terms of 
getting a copy of the book. Um, the, the book is available on Amazon. Um, if listeners are interested to get a signed copy, they can always email me. My email is lynn at altruisticcapitalist.com and we can make arrangements in uh, order for me to assign copy of the book. Awesome. I think we're starting to have some uh, some technical difficulties. I don't know. Can you can you still hear me pretty good? I can, yeah. but I think there might be um like you said some technical streaming issues now. All right. Well, ladies and gents, that's what happens when we do shows that are live. We we sometimes have some technical difficulties. You're going to have that delayed response. It's it's kind of like, you know, for those of you who grew up in the 1900s, you know, that was me. Uh, we'd watch newscasters on TV and they'd be like, what's happening over there in New York? And because, you know, the newscasters in California and be like a little bit of quiet time and then they're going to respond. So it's OK. It's, it's still the same type of thing. You get a little bit of lag on the Internet. But for the most part, look, uh, what Lynn's talking about, she's helping students achieve more than just the idea of a business. There's more to life than just making that dollar at the end of the day. And I love how she described the Ma uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So yes, you need to have a roof over your head. Yes, you need to have food in your tummy and you need to take care of your basic essentials to feel safe. Uh, and then after that, there's so much that you can do in the world. Leaving a legacy behind is one of the most valuable things that you can do to let yourself live on forever, whether it's the pieces of content that you create, the influence that you have in the world, or the value that you bring through your businesses there's so many valuable things that you can do and if you can contact lynn and help uh you know and find out what you can do for your students classrooms uh to teach other kids to give them the opportunity to become that altruistic capitalist that she believes that they can be uh, you're opening doors to a whole different world so uh in my little uh recap here at the end so that we have those technical difficulties i'm gonna try to see if uh, if i can get lynn if you can hear me again uh you know thank you very much for being on the podcast and sharing uh sharing what you do Thank you so much for having me today. All right, ladies and gents, we'll see you guys next time. I hope you guys enjoy. Let's see. Uh, the Eye of the Tiger is what we got for this year. So enjoy the rest of your Friday. Or what? Sorry, today, Wednesday. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday afternoon. Peace out, y'all. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you looking to get more clients or to increase your income? Hernan, the business bro, can help you generate referrals through the power of podcasting. And James, the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, can help you effectively add insurance to your existing business. If you are ready to create wealth today and generational wealth for tomorrow, email businessbros at csfirst.com to schedule a free consultation or join the Business Bros Network, www.businessbros.biz.